it comes. Here it comes, that big intro. Oh, yeah, we're right into it. This is the latest edition of Canada FM with your hosts, Ted and Brian. Uh, and this is the show where we dive deep into Canadian bands who may not have uh, had as much success outside of Canada as they did within Canada. Um, oh, before right. we do get into the show, I know you want me to throw it to you because you've got a big, uh, uh, big setup here. But I want yeah. to uh, compliment you on your production job on the Jack Soul episode last week. I liked how you played a little bit of the music underneath us throughout when we were talking about the albums. It's a yeah. good thing. I think you should continue. Just watch the levels because sometimes I couldn't hear me. When that's the most important thing in the world to hear myself because I love the sound of my own voice. But uh, I think you did a really good job uh, weaving those in there. I really liked it. It helped the podcast go by nice and quick. It had a good rhythm to it. I liked it. Good job. Thank you. But also, I was actually, I meant to chastise you because <laughs> I don't know what the hell you were, if, um, I don't know if you were sitting right by your fridge, but there was just like low level hum the whole time. Okay. So and my so, like, setup here it, is in the dining room. So the fridge is over there in the kitchen. Um, plus there's the TV. Uh, there's the baby that makes a lot of noise. No, um, no, it wasn't. It was. It was very electrical. It was just it was like this. Boom. Oh, oh, and then sometimes maybe we had a fan on the other room. We've got the heat turned on. It was I don't know what it was. In but my house at five a.m. when I was up. Yeah. As soon as I started editing, I'm like, damn it, Dad. But like, the I think the reason why some of your levels were low is because I had to put like a little de humming effect. So I think it took some oh, of the okay. the the stuff out of it. So yeah. that was why. But just don't lower me, just lower the music, I guess, and then everyone can just crank <sighs> up their stereos. Fine. Yeah. As long as it's consistent. Um, anyway. What's it called? Uh, but I was trying to say good job. And, uh, Thank you. Throw to you. What were you going to say? Yes. So, first of all, I am very happy. I love that we are back recording on a semi-regular schedule. And speaking of love, I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Rob. He's a camp buddy, so he goes by the name... Well, when we talk to each other, it's Skip and Capo. So I want to give Rob a, a shout-out because he, he moved in with his new lady friend, Leah. And uh, he's happy out on the East Coast. So love is in the air unless your name is Brian. Then you're just sitting in a uh, forever stew of sadness and loneliness. But at least I've got Gob to keep me company. <laughs> Wow. The subject. <laughs> Still in the sea of sadness and loneliness. Jeez. Hey, yeah, you got your freedom, though. You can eat yeah. ice cream right out of the tub. You can poop I in the could. sink if you want to. <laughs> what am I, an animal? I don't know why you'd want to do that, but... You yeah, it's got like, that look at me. You got I'm that free. Option. I pooped. I pooped in the sink. Oh, shit. Now I gotta clean the sink. <laughs> exactly. No one here to clean the sink for me. But yeah, uh, I should also let your uh, buddy Rob know. Uh, you know what? A little teaser. We are going to do a season three, and a little uh, thing for your buddy Rob. I know he's an East Coaster. He likes his East Coast yeah. music. I should let him know. Oh, yeah. Season premiere in season three. We're going to be doing Great Big C. Hell yeah! Great Big also, C Jake, coming up on season three. Jake will three. be happy about uh, that, and a lot of people will be happy about that. Yeah, Mr. Delaw probably will. I imagine. I assume he's like probably a. I don't know. He's probably he's been out in Nova Scotia for like ten years. He's probably adapted to local music and everything. Although Great Big C's a, you know, a national like band, but what do you like? CCR, Grand Funk Railroad. Did he like Grand Funk? Yeah, he liked uh, Pink Floyd and Zeppelin. I remember he bought like a Grand Funk Greatest Hits. We sat around and listened to it one day. We we're like, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like we're an American band's a good song. Some kind of wonderful is a good song, but the rest are all just covers and they all 
kind of blue. Yeah, because I remember I've, I've been collecting random music on my iTunes for years. I just like, no matter yeah. what computer I use, it's it keeps transferring over. And I, I have their cover of the locomotion on there. Yeah, the locomotion. They did one of like Jumpin' Jack Flash, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. But just, it was just a bunch of covers. And I was like, what's the point? I remember I had an album. He, he made fun of like one of my ska albums or something like that. He said, what's the point? Like, what's the fucking point? And I got the grand, the grand funk and I started going down all the list of all the useless covers they did. So, we're an American band and some kind of wonderful. We'll not take those away from them. Those are good songs. That's fair. Yeah, those are good. All right. The band, though, that we're getting into today is not Grand Funk Railroad, but they do begin with a G. It's the Boys in Gob. Guys and bikes. Well, hold on. Let's get into that because it's my third note here. Okay. We were made aware of this guys on bike thing in middle school from Kevin and Nathan. They yeah. told us that Gob stood for guys on bikes. Uh, I have not been able to corroborate that anywhere. So you weren't able to what? To corroborate that anywhere. Okay. I have first no I evidence you were backing up that. that Gob stands for guys on bikes. I'm assuming that those two made it up because that sounds like something that they would do. And you and I have been walking is... around spouting it off as fact ever since middle school. Yeah, and this was 97, 98, where, I mean, the internet was there, but, I mean, we weren't really using it to fact check people. Yeah, exactly. So, I, to my knowledge, Gob just stands for Gob. It doesn't stand for anything. It's just the word okay. Gob. Gob of goo, I guess. Gob of goo. Gob of goo. <laughs> I mean, I mean, gob is also British slang for mouth or jaw, I think it is. Oh, shut your gob? Is that what they yeah. say over there? Yeah. Oh, okay, that could work. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, they're, they seem to have a mouth thing going on. Like, whenever you watch videos of them, they're all very teethy, toothy smiles. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, And, like, the, the foot and mouth the, disease album is just a big yeah. mouth with weird feet. So, well, I don't yeah. know. Maybe they got a mouth thing. They, they, they are. Well, it's just Theo and Tom, mainly. Those are yeah. the go-tos. And, like, some of the bassists who have come through have been decent-looking gentlemen. Yeah. There is a Tom and Theo. They are odd-looking men. Well, I always thought Tom was a handsome man. I mean, but then that, he'd like... it's, it's, it's a mouth <laughs> thing, he's got. You're right. He's kind of got that, like, John McEnroe kind of that always-looking angry sort of thing. Forever scowl? Forever scowl. There you go. But I mean, jerk face. I don't know. I mean, it's also one of those things where when, like, people sing... Um, I I don't see too many people just like smiling away while they sing. They always have to like frown a little bit or like put some like emotion into it because it comes through when you sing, right? It's like I that. feel like you won't. Yeah, you, you gotta, won't be able to get as much oomph out of your like performance if you're smiling away. It was like in that episode of The Fresh Prince, the funky new steps Will tried to teach all the kids at Ashley's uh, birthday party. When you do this new dance, you gotta have a serious mug on your face. <laughs> I think when you sing punk rock, you gotta have a serious mug on your face, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were a big Gob fan in the 90s. I was. Uh, probably was... more than me. My brother was more the Gob guy uh, between the two of us. I like, see, here's the thing with me and my brother. We both like Gob. Then yeah. it was a race to see who would get the CD first. And he got it first. So then I'm like, all right, Gob's your lane now. You go collect the albums. I'll just tape them Mooch. off of you and then eventually yeah. burn them off of you. Yeah, that kind of thing. Because that was another thing, because my cousin was a punk guy. He got me into punk, and he kind of got my brother into, you know, the outer realm of punk. But Gallup was actually one punk band that we both agreed on. I think when he took us to the Warp Tour in yeah. 2000, 
I think Gob and Green Day were like the two bands he had, and I think Biff Naked were like the three bands he kind of wanted to see. We didn't get to see Gob. That was the one band we didn't get to see. We we caught them on the way out because we were so exhausted, but like because we could still hear them when we were leaving. All I remember about Gob, so at the the Vans Warp tour, they decided to line up a band's day of. This is the first one we ever went to in two thousand and one, uh, and like Green Day went on at a weird time. They went on like six or seven, but they weren't yeah. the last band on. So No Effects was going to go on second to last, and Gob was going to go on very last. Gob was going to yeah. headline. Gob was going on after Green Day. Yeah. To our American friends, that's how big Gob was at the time. Um, yeah. But also, no effect- you got to remember, Green Day was kind of. Their popularity was not declining, but they just weren't. Well, this is yeah. This is before they, American Idiot. This is the warning album that they were promoting. Yeah, yeah. And so they they their popular. I think they had probably gone down from like arenas, back down to clubs. I think it's still like, fill an arena. Probably, but yeah. I'm just saying like they. I think they just didn't have as much cachet then because their their albums were good. Like I loved Nimrod and Warning, warning but is uh, so underrated. I know. It's just they. I don't think it had the sa- the album sales and all these things. So I think they're just their cachet had gone down a bit, and then so they they jumped on the Warp tour to build themselves back up, and then American Idiot happened, and they pff, they never said saw a club again. And now they're the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's true. They are. But so God went on after some Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing: we're exhausted, so no effects plays. They go way over their set limit. Way no, over. that was it was Green Day's fault. But there, give me a hey hose. Well, that and remember when we were doing our off topic on the Warp tour? Yeah, I told you the story about the my brother's friend's sister getting hurt at the front. All right, yeah, they, that took a few minutes yeah. of uh, of pushback, and so it pushed back. Um, yeah, pushback, no effects, which then pushback, gob. I do and remember. Just like, Fuck this, we're tired. My feet hurt. I do remember as we were leaving, seeing Gob as yeah. They, okay, so usually you gotta wait a minute or two before the next band comes on. Gob was on the stage, <laughs> and I vividly remember. I think it was Theo shaking his fist at No Effects <laughs> yeah. for taking so long. He's like, come on. <laughs> So, but we were too tired so we didn't get to see Gob. Yeah, I think um, we caught like the opening couple tracks on our way out, but yeah, not enough to remember it. But I remember what endeared, I think, everybody to Gob. At least at least with me. I remember the first video I can remember seeing by them was the Beauville video. And that's yeah. where, like, it's right in Tom's face and he's just, he's making that serious mug that we were talking about. <laughs> but then the next video was, like, What to Do, and that was, like, when they're on Terry David Mulligan's talk show and Theo sings lead on it. And then all the other wacky videos from Soda to B-Flat, which I totally forgot about until I listened to yeah. As Seen on TV. And yeah. <laughs> um, what else? There was the other one, B-Flat, I hear you Soda. calling. I hear you, no, but before then. Oh, um, well, I got the notes right in front of me, stupid. Well, there was You're Too Cool. <laughs> you're Too Cool, that's the one. B-flat, soda. <laughs> they're always funny, and the songs yeah. were short and fun, and they're just a fun band. They're enjoyable. Yeah, and, and they were pretty technically, like, Theo and Gob were good guitar players and could both sing well. And uh, we, you and I, because when we first got into Blink, we were enamored by the the dynamic of two singers. Yeah. And so that was another thing Gob had going. So uh, they, you know, it wasn't always the same. Like, I love 
bad religion. I love Pennywise, but it's, you know, after a while of the same vocalist, it can get a little boring and when the songs are sounding yeah. the same. Whereas, I'm, like, when, when it's a Theo song, sometimes he chops it up a little bit different than the way Tom does it. You know what I mean? And so you, you get different songs throughout the album, so it keeps it fresh. Keeps and it's it not interesting. The same, sh- same shit the whole album. Exactly. Well, let's yeah. go to Langley, British Columbia in the year 1993. That is when Gob was formed with Tom Thacker and Theo Gutsanakis. I hope I pronounced his uh, last name right. Uh, <laughs> the group's only two consistent members over the year. And uh, both played guitar. And at the beginning, they traded uh, vocal duties, even Steven, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, their initial drummer was Wolfman Pat Pazana. He was a founding member, but he'd later get replaced by Gabe Mantle in 1998. And the band has had a whole slew of bass players over the years, including yeah. founding member Kelly McCauley, Craig Wood, who would lead the band in 2004 to play guitar for Avril Lavigne, and uh, current bass man Stephen Fairweather. Although Gabe was a longtime drummer. I think that he it was a while before they replaced him. I think they just replaced him in the last couple of years. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. been there for a minute. Yeah. Well, he was, he was on, uh, what's it called, How Far Shallow Takes You would have been his first yeah. album. Yeah, and I think, I think he was there basically till the uh, Apartment 13. I don't think he drummed on that, but I think he was on everything else. But Well, I'll tell you, the same year that Gob formed, they got into the studio and they recorded their debut EP. They did it right away, uh, which is pretty good for a punk band. Um, yeah. And it was released on Land Speed Records in 1994. Uh I was not able to track down a copy of this EP anywhere on the internet, uh, but three of those tracks were later reworked and included on Too Late No Friends in 1995. So I have no idea what that initial EP sounds like. I mean, I, it's funny. I remember when I was young, I was always walking around the, the record store, HMV or music world or whatever and I'd, I'd always thumb through the gob section and it's like well I've got this I've got the too late no friends and I kind of flip over as seen on TV and I'm like yeah for these around I screw this so I just never like as much as I tried to be like of bands I really liked I tried to be a completist I was like no there's no point well, the EPs yeah yeah so yeah. I was like hard pass well you know sometimes they'd only charge you like uh, eight bucks for it or something like that if it was under $10 for an EP that was reasonable yeah. Um, if they're going to charge you full price for an EP because it was rare or whatever the case, uh, fuck that noise. When I was young, I paid like eight bucks just for uh, a single of Mo Money, Mo Problems because I love that song. <laughs> I should have just bought Life After Death. Yeah. Yeah, but that was the thing, though, when we were young, we've talked about it here on the podcast so often. You would have to prove your <laughs> rationale for buying an album to everyone. You, Although, you, you, you know what? I, 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 I wonder if other groups of friends had this issue where you'd have to justify I, yeah. your spending on an album. Not just because you liked that one song. We couldn't do that. We had to justify it. I think our friends were just lunatics, but... Um... <laughs> But also, I think you always felt the need to justify it more than I did, because I've always been of the mentality, you know, if you like something, you get it. If it if it doesn't work out, it's you know, it's only money. You can make that money back. Yeah, like you can if it's, sell if it's it. like twenty bucks, I can sell it. Yeah, I can maybe, especially if I bought something like if I imagine if I bought Life After Death instead of the single, I listened to it. Eh, Biggie wasn't for me, which is 
now. I, I love that album. Yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, knowing you back in the time, though, you were pretty sell happy with your stuff. Yeah, I definitely too. You get into a, a situation where you're not listening to an album and you need some extra cash. Yeah, it's a trip to the beat goes on, and then you're always disappointed at the end of the day with the amount of money they offer you in return. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't remember selling too much of my stuff. I think like, I only sold, like I sold Great Big C and Sloan to your brother. Our Lady Peace, you sold one too. Loves right. Yeah. Oh man, I regret that. But yeah, it was just my alternative albums. Like pretty much everything. I still have from my is still sitting at my parents' house. I should probably get out of there one of these days. Yeah, no, I got bins upon bins at my parents' house. They're just filled with CDs, and I want to keep those. Just one day I'll post- figure out what to do. Posterity. One, one day I will. Yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing too is I've had to rebuild my CD library so many times because a computer yeah. has crashed or I didn't back something up. You know what I mean? It's it's and I pay pay for Spotify, which. I don't even well, know, you know, but I, still, there's. I think, I think one of these days, um, whether you guys, you know, sell your place in Thunder Bay and schlep the whole family down to Hamilton, yeah. or maybe if you move to a slightly bigger place for the growing family, maybe you'll have a spot. Like, do you remember how your parents have that uh, in the living room where they had the big CD? player and all the cds there you can have a little sting like that where you can just like groove out on the couch or like little freddy can discover your cd collection yeah well that's, <laughs> what, like, that's what, what are do. these what are these stone age coasters <laughs> like <the> year <laughs> 2035 but hey i would i would raid my parents cds once i got a little bit older and start digging some of the older stuff i think we all do it yeah oh yeah all right let's talk about too late no friends uh that was yeah. put out by mint records and land speed records but it would actually eventually get a re-release in 2000 uh that's when gob's profile was growing because of the how far shall takes you album um they, they get a lot more airplay on much music so the album was eventually re-released um now when too late no friends was first released back in 1995 it was actually met with outrage from fans <laughs> Not because of the musical content, because of the liner notes. People were getting really bad static shocks from the photos that were included in the liner notes. So they had to do a full recall and re-release the album with new shock-free photos. That's a first for Canada FM, I'll tell you that. I have that album. I don't remember getting shocked. You but I'm probably sure got not... the re-release because it was so. This wasn't the one in 2000 that was re-released. This was in '95. So like the first right. shipment of albums went to record stores. People went and bought it. They got shocked. They complained. Then they put it out again. It was just like the next wave. They discontinued that first series of liner notes. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the band produced Too Late No Friends themselves, which is a thing that we have learned that Canadian artists love to do, and four singles were released from it. You had Fuck Them. All the time, all the way. Which, uh, needless to say, got zero radio airplay. Yeah. <laughs> Bad Day, which is a fun song. You're Too Cool, which we mentioned off the hop. It's a funny little yeah. music video filled with a ski hill shenanigans. And then well, it's, it's not only that. It's pretty much every Canadian sport. There's a scene where they play hockey and just get into a brawl. There's a scene where Gob is curling. They're snowboarding. And 
and they're skiing. You're too cool more. Really? Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I thought it was just a, a tighter song. It's because I think Tom really matured as a singer in um, How Far Shadow Takes You. And in that one, he still sounds very throaty or he sounds a little bit cleaner in You're Too Cool. It's still very scratchy, but it's it's a little, a well, little bit better. Tom in that album does do a punk voice. Yeah. Which some people... Exactly. Some people have mislabeled the punk voice as a British accent. I know for years people taught, said that Billy Joe Armstrong and Tim Armstrong sung in British accents. It wasn't a British accent, but it was a. It was very inspired by that that, that wave of uh, British bands in the seventies. Where yeah, yeah, you sing like this and you get really angry. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing a New York thing, but you know. Well, it's also yeah. that's more of like a. That sounds more like Fat Mike. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's more like Maggie, you know. Yeah, he's like Louis. Also, Anderson Tim Armstrong. Tim Armstrong is just like, it's almost like he has partial paralysis from his years of heroin and like alcohol. Yeah, he sounds a little uh, permafrost. Like yeah, he's like slurring his speech, but I mean. I mean, God bless him. He did his best to narrate that ska documentary. Yeah, I don't I saw, know why they picked him, but I, I, I don't know why either. Um, but he, that's because they think he has I've so much him. respect for it. Well, but. yeah, but that's not the first thing I've seen him narrate. Really? Oh, yeah, he, he narrated this other series that came out on the impact of like two tone ska, and he, you know, ska would get big in Europe at the time. <laughs> it kind of almost sounds like Doctor John, you know? What yeah. I mean? Like this one's for the van and all the fellas. I like the Blues Brothers movie because there's so many characters. <laughs> you know? It kind of sounds like Doctor John now, but uh. Yeah, Tom was kind of trying to do his own punk voice, and he'd eventually yeah. find his voice. That was more of a yeah. Tom voice and less of a, a punk rock voice. <laughs> um, other songs of note on this album, you had the marching song, which consists solely of kazoos and fart noises, and Hey Stephanie, which was a cover of a song by the BC punk band The Smugglers. And you'll notice, especially throughout their early career, Bob was very, very good to other members of the British Columbia punk scene. I thought the uh, the marching song. I thought that was Custer's One Night Stand. I thought that that's what it was oh, called. Well, well, we, I, I could be wrong. I'll tell you if you want to talk about Custer's One Light Night Stand. I have that on here as one of my favorite tracks from that album. Yeah. But uh, so I used to collect the Warp Tour compilations that came yeah. out every year on Side One Dummy, and the third release that they had was a live album. So all of the tracks were recorded. Live. They said they recorded live on the Warp Tour, but that wasn't actually. Last night you were giving me head in the parking lot. We had some good times and some bad, but we always knew. What? 
Uh, but God was on there. That was the only time I, just, I made a mistake. You're right. It is the marching song. I got, I got a shuffle going on my, when I listened to this oh, album recently. That's why I, I said it screwed me up. I've, had, I've done that before. I remember I did that with Blue Rodeo and I was getting all <laughs> confused with the tracks. Yeah. Uh, but no, Custer's One Night Stand was on there. And actually, I really like the live version of that song a lot mm. better than the recorded version. Theo's voice live actually is a little bit better, oddly enough. Yeah, it's weird. That's one of the bands I always missed whenever they came around. I, like, I caught them on that one Warp Tour. Well, we partially caught them on that Warp Tour. Yeah. But I think, did they ever play the other two Warp Tours we saw? I don't remember. No, that was the only one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just never seemed to catch them live. And then, you know, after the, the World According to Gob, I kind of... I mean, we were graduating high school like the year after, and then like that was when we started to dip into other music. So I, yeah. I'd always kind of like have one ear in when they'd put out an album, like when they put out Foot and Mouth Disease in 04, I'd be like, ooh, what's this? And then like Give Up the Grudge was good, and, but then I just, I, I wasn't as into them, so that's when I stopped really caring to see them live, but uh, I, I kind of regret it now that well, in hindsight. We're going to get into all that later stuff in just a little bit, but Brian, what I know, I was just talking about seeing them live. I know, and I was just trying to do a segue. <laughs> I'm gonna run you over with a segue. I found the moment for a seamless segue, and I was gonna <laughs> throw it to you. What were your thoughts on Too Late No Friends? Um, it was good. It's just very um, I don't. I hate to use the word amateur, more immature. Okay. Just because I mean the because just the sound of it and every punk band when they're young like this they rush out like let's put out like a 20 song album with like two minute songs a piece like no idiots like take your time you know but I mean everyone everyone always does it with those first albums like when you're a young punk band so I'm not gonna fault them for it it's still enjoyable and you can see and I think album or uh, record companies and everyone saw potential with this album yeah. so that's why like you could see it wasn't a big grand surprise that too late or uh how far shell takes you was going to be a great album yeah well it's it's a fun album and i got a lot yeah. of nostalgia off of listening to it which i yeah. really liked and i think they did do a good job picking the um singles off of this because i do feel like soda and uh you're too cool uh and even bad day were probably some of the strongest songs yeah of, of the 20 so they did a good job picking that and getting uh the songs they're most proud of uh out there for fans to access yeah. So God would stay busy touring the country over the next several years, and uh, they made some extra scratch uh, by releasing a pair of EPs in 1997. You had Ass Seen on TV. Great name for an EP. <laughs> that was released in May, and it's a split album with the band Another Joe, another BC punk band that actually featured Tom's high school girlfriend Allison on bass. And she would find much more success later on in the early 2000s with the alternative rock group State of Shock. Do you remember them? Vaguely. Yeah, big hit Money Honey. If I money honeyed money, would you money, money, honey, money, honey, money? I'd just play the fucking song. If I had more money, honey, would you love me, love me, love me? If I wasn't just somebody My God. Honey, honey. That's not how it goes. That's how I used to sing it when I worked <laughs> I couldn't could be bothered to remember the lyrics, so I just sing the title over and over again. But uh, it was a big hit. 
And it was a hit that actually like kind of crossed over to like top forty radio because State of Shock's kind of a butt rock band. They're very much in the vein of a Nickelback or a, a theory right. of a Nickel Fault, as I like to say. <laughs> but it was a big hit and good for her. She Tom's old girlfriend got on the map with a much bigger band. Uh, Gob contributed nine tracks to As Seen on TV. Only one of those songs is over two minutes long, uh, but it would produce the single B flat. Which is a very funny video featuring Theo dressed as a woman. A gross woman. Well, he's got boils and (laughs) (laughs) all kinds of stuff on his face. uh, It's a fun little EP. I actually really liked it. Um, More in the pop sound. They're kind of going with uh, kind of more. I found it very much more like not pop punk, but like Ramones pop. Teen Idols, you know, Teen Idols, you like them? I love teen idols. Like that kind of pop, where it's yeah. less, it's, it's it's not pop punk, but it's like punk that's like influenced by like fifties pop kind yeah. of. They talk about going to drive-in movies and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that style suits Gob really well. I really like that style of uh, punk yeah. rock. Uh, also, check out Masked Intruder. They do the fifties po- uh, pop punk yeah. really well. Uh, check them out if you like that style. Uh, I I like the another Joe stuff too. That was good on there. Did you get mm-hmm. a chance to listen to Ask on TV? I think I heard it years ago, but not recently. So it's uh, it's been a bit. I'll have to uh, dive back into that while I'm editing or something. Okay. Well, the other EP that Gob released that year was called Has Phil Flipped? And that was a split with the Canadian pop-punk band The McCrackens. Um, they'd often wear weird, like, jumpsuits and masks. They kind of looked like, uh, remember that horror movie, The Strangers? They got those weird, like, white masks with smiley faces on them. Liv Tyler. No. I think it's Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman. And she's the, they got her tied up. It's like a family. They're like a family of, like, murderers. And she's like, why are you doing this to us? And they're like, because you were home. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a big There's movie. There's nothing worse in a horror movie when the, um, when the serial killer's motives are just, like, they just... It's such a weak payoff. It's like in... Uh, as much as we love Scream, Scream 3's ending was so stupid because there was just, there was no alluding to this character at all until Scream 3. They're just well, like, yeah. oh, this long-lost brother. Spoilers if you haven't seen Scream 3. Yeah, he's got, the, he's got the long backstory, too. You know, but here's the thing about movie making and real-life serial yeah. killers and stuff like that. Um... In real life, usually, the guy just killed a bunch of people because he's crazy. It's yeah. usually the reason for doing that. Not because, ah, I'm the, 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 the shamed son of the, the girl's mom, and the, I killed all her friends to get to her. But it, it, that doesn't happen in real life. Usually, it's just some nut who thinks well, that yeah, God it's, is talking it's... to him through cereal and telling him to kill people. Well, either that or it's like, you know, you look at someone like the Montreal Massacre, but like at the uh, the school, uh, the what's that called? The, the Poly, Polytechnic. The, yeah, yeah, that guy, like who felt slighted by his mom and like sister or something. So he had this weird axe to grind against women. He's yeah. like, he was like the incel before incels. But what I'm saying there is that the victims had no idea who he was. Yeah, exactly. Just some guy. Yeah. Where in movies, there's always like a connection. And yeah. usually, too, if someone kills someone in real life, they do have a connection to him, which is much more common. It's not, uh, you know, it's it's much less dramatic. It's usually just really, really, really sad. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They, I think police say you're more likely to get shot by someone you know yeah. or killed by someone you know than just, like, a random passerby or someone who has this, like, weird dark web of, uh, like, connections and <laughs> why they're going to kill people. You know well, what I mean? This staged out thing. Yeah, like, re- revenge plots. I don't know. Then, then knowing me, there's some guy out there who's got a picture of me <laughs> who I slighted in some way. Like, uh, <laughs> they're gonna play this at my funeral. Well, hey, Ted didn't see that one coming, did he? Like, like in uh, Billy Madison with uh, Steve Buscemi, where he's got that list that he crosses, he puts the lipstick yeah. on. And at the end, he shoots the uh, he shoots Bradley Whitford, remember? And he's like, Boy, am I glad I called that guy! <laughs> yeah, well, enough about serial killers. I want to give you another interesting fact about the band, uh, the McCrackens. One of the reasons why they were wearing the masks is because one of their members had some notoriety because he was a member of Gob. Their drummer is Tom from Gob. So this album was kind of the Tom Thacker show. Right. Uh, Only four songs on this album. The McCrackens and Gob would each contribute one original song, and then each band would cover another song by the other band. So that was a simple concept of it. Didn't get to listen to it, couldn't find it anywhere. But uh, yeah, I like same. the idea. I had that rancid and no effects uh, split EP when I was younger where they just covered each other's stuff, and I really loved that one. So. That was a great one. Yeah, it's, it's cool know, when bands do that. Uh, keeping in the Canadian content, Alexis on Fire and Monine did one a couple years back. I think we were in college right, when that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember that. Yeah. Because I was, you know, being in the Wellens in the Niagara area, that's where they're from. The, a lot of the, the scene kids love that. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time I ever listened to a split EP was, uh, actually it was Kevin, Kevin Andrew gave this one to me. Well, he just lent it to me. I taped it. It was the Ataris before they covered Don Henley. Right. Uh, they did half of it. And then this band from Israel called Useless ID to the other half. I remember and, them. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought was cool about it was I would have had no idea who they were had I not wanted to get more into the Ataris. Yeah. And so you get a split. You get to hear the bands that you're interested in too, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a cool uh, cool thing. That's Good one thing I never I never got that into the Ataris or Phoenix TX. Do you remember them? I that was a self titled album. It's it's got the blue and yellow cover. I had that album. And I love that album. Yeah. Yeah. I even had a Phoenix TX shirt briefly, if you recall. I remember. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like Phoenix TX. And then it was one of those things where I, I would wear it and people were like, oh, why them? You like them? Oh, they <laughs> suck. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. But it's that, that album, uh, I, oh God, I, don't, I think it's just a self-titled album. Um, right. Great album. I really like that one. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If You know, when, when Freddie gets to high school and if I ever have a, a son in high school – I mean, I'm sure music is just not in the same place it was when we were in high school where people would be like, if you're not into this, you're a dork. You know what I mean? Well, and I'm I, just like, I, if I would tell my kid and you tell your kid, say, you know, 
fly your flag of whatever band you yeah. like. I don't care if it's some if it's the worst shit ever. Just like you like what you like and don't apologize for it. Well, don't try to fit in by listening to subpar bullshit. I do think that that's one of the advents of music being so readily available online nowadays. Yeah. Is um kids are less discriminating with their tastes and people are less gravitating just to one genre. You know, like I'm sure there's kids out there still who only listen to hip hop or will only listen to punk rock. You know what I mean? But I think that people are less just entrenched in one genre and are more open to other t- styles of music. Right. Yeah. Which is good. Where was I? Uh, the split. Split. Oh, right. We're going to be talking about uh, Gob's sophomore album. How far? Sophomore. Why do you have to correct me every time? We know that you, 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 know, you know that we're both right. Both are acceptable. No, no, they're not. How this Gob's second album. There you go. How Far Shallow Takes You was released in November of 1998, and the band produced this one along with a fella by the name of Blair Calababa. And uh, couldn't find much on him, but he does have 121 credits on Discog.com. Good resource for researching some of these producers. And he also owns Bombers Brewing in British Columbia. Ah, Bombers Brewing. Delicious beer that will make you feel great. And uh, hopefully he'll send me a six-pack if he listens to this episode. (laughs) Not going to work. Shameless. I'm going to call you Bill Macy. (laughs) If if we can get his free product, why not? Uh, The band went for a much harder sound on this disc, and a much more mature lyrics were also involved here. Uh, And I thought it was a good mix with the uh, improved production quality, the mature lyrics. It sounded like they were growing up, and you could hear that in the songs. Uh, Three songs on this release actually clock in longer than three minutes. (laughs) I don't think they reached the three-minute mark before. How Far Shall It Takes You produced three singles. You had Beauville. Black and white video where Tom is just singing directly at the camera. What to do. Sit around out here and think. on much music it's a funny video they're doing like a jerry springer thing with terry david mulligan theo singing lead and it was featured in the disney channel movie mom's got a date with a vampire starring caroline ray (laughs) so if you ever check that one out look out for what to do uh, Love that song. Also, a cover of the Rolling Stone classic Paint It Black was included in the U.S. release of this album and served as the theme song to the Kevin Bacon horror flick Stir of Echoes. You ever see that movie? No. I remember when it came out, I just was like, eh. Pass. All right. But I'm also like, at the time, I was not... I mean, I'm still not a big horror guy, but I try to get into it more now just to see if some of the ones that I missed. But I'm also just like, I always end up reverting to the watching the same ones, like Scream, and then a couple of like random ones here and there. Yeah, play it safe. That's every it. every October, it's always the same thing. I'm like, I'm gonna watch one new horror, like get into some yeah. crazy shit, and I'm just like, 
yeah, let's watch Scream. And then maybe, like, like this year, I watched Misery, and I think uh, at some point I'm going to watch Carrie, because I've never actually seen yeah, Carrie. I've never seen Carrie. That's Brian De Palma, so that should be, that should be a good one. Um, yeah. yeah, usually when it comes to horror movies, I like, like, the ones that... They're less slashery, and they're just more, like, good... Like, I like, like... A good horror movie for me is, like, Seven, or Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Those are more thrillers, though. <sighs> But they're about killers. There's all kinds of grotesque. How is Saw considered a horror movie, but Seven's not considered to be a horror movie? It's well, I mean, I think, yeah. When it's, Saw it's, just a rip off of Seven. Except it's the it's the violence, the gore. That. Seven is all playing these big macho head games. You know what I mean? It's all up here. Or yeah. Saw Saw is all just like. Bleh. It's like just whipping the big fat dong out on the table. That's why Seven's unarguably the better movie. Yes, I'm not. I'm, I'm agreeing with no, you. No. I'm just saying it's not a typical horror film. I remember when you and I rented Saw. We had all these lofty expectations, and we we're like, "Eh, it's okay." Yeah, so many people when that came out, they're like, "That is the greatest fucking horror movie." No, it's not the greatest fucking horror movie. It's just gross. Yeah. Well, the, 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 all the people were talking about wasn't like the plot. They were just talking about the cool gizmos the guy would use the jigsaw would use to kill you with. That's yeah, what the movie like, was. So, it was basically Home Alone for horror films. Well, well I, I mean, yeah, and that's why there's that fan theory that Kevin McAllister is Jigsaw. Oh, really? I didn't even know oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a long-standing <laughs> fan theory that Kevin McAllister grew up to become Jigsaw. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, getting back to Paint It Black. So, being naive in my young mind about music, I, when I first heard Gob's version of Paint It Black on the Edge... Did not know that it was a Rolling Stones cover. I was just yeah, like, oh, listen to God. They, they got an edge to the man. They're getting dark here. I like this. I like where this is going. So in English class, and uh, Brent will be happy to hear this story. English class in grade nine, we had to do a presentation, me and Brent, uh, about the Black Plague. So even though the Stones wrote that song about Vietnam, I was like, paint it black. Yep, this is it. This is about the Black Plague. We recorded us singing it. Kevin, Kevin Andrew, third time mentioned him. Played guitar, Brent played drums, and I sang it. And we played the recording for our class. We did the Gob version of it, not the Stones version. And then I reenacted the the, uh, symptoms one would go through when experiencing the Black Plague. (laughs) And guess what? Brent and I... We got an A. Got an A on that project. Just because we went above and beyond the call of duty. There Look you go. Look at you. Look at that. I didn't get A's very often, but I got an A do there. You, do you remember when uh, we had to do English class? We were reading. We had to pick a book and then do a... We did a report and then we had to pick a song that kind of reflected this uh, this yes, book? Yes, yes. I forget what book you read, but I know you did The Bare Naked Ladies. I did, yeah, uh, Brian Wilson. And it was about, oh, I can't remember what it was about either. It was about this lawyer. He's got a coke problem. And he's trying to solve uh, the mystery of some murdered girl. And there's spirits that talk to him and stuff like that. I can't remember. I, I don't even think I finished it. I think I kind of faked my way through a, <laughs> a lot of it. You know what I do with those book reports? You ever do this? What? If you're going through a book and it's just... You start reading the chapters in reverse order and just kind of make up the middle. <laughs> no, you I actually read that? the book. I no, I just time. I read the book. What? I read the damn book. <laughs> There's some books I couldn't get through. They were just too boring. That's why uh, grade eleven. That was a rough year for me, but uh, 
I'm glad I, I failed that English class or dropped it or whatever because I had to make it up in summer school. But we yeah. had to read Tessa the Dubervilles. I'm like, I cannot get through this first chapter. I just gave up. And I told the teacher, I'm like, this book is garbage. Oh, what was it with me? Tale of Two Cities. That was like that for me. Yeah. I could not get anywhere in Tale of Two Cities. And that is a classic piece of literature. Yeah. And But my grade 10 self did not have the attention span to handle the Tale of Two Cities. Ted, what'd you learn from this? I think it was the best of times. It's the worst of times. I think that sums it up. <laughs> Ted, you didn't read the book, did you? No. By the hell of a first line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're, we're talking paint it black. Uh, oh, right. Now, getting back to the album. Although yeah. sales began slow for How Far Shallow Takes You, extensive airplay on much music and alternative rock stations like Edge 102 would help propel Gob into mainstream and How Far Shallow Takes You would sell more than 20,000 copies over its first year of release. So it took a little time to build but with just the rise in punk rock's popularity and much music's help because hey, it was the perfect time for them. Yeah. Punk rock's big. What do we need? Canadian punk bands. Here yeah. are a group of young cats about Blink-182's age that we can throw in as kind of our punk rock. Because there was no Sum 41 yet. You know yeah. what I mean? We, we had to get creative with what we had. And uh, that was Gob. So that really, really, they came along at the right time. Gob would even earn themselves a Juno nomination in 2000 for Best New Artist, a category where they'd compete against friend of the show, Serial Joe. But ultimately, they'd lose to pop powerhouse Sky. Sky. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Sky. We'll, we'll do. We'll, you use. Come on. Don't tell me you hear some kind of wonderful. You don't have a giant smile on your face. That's true. That, that song, song is great. There you go. There you but go. I still would have taken Gob over Sky. Yeah, I, I would have taken Gob over Sky too. But you got to remember who's picking these uh, these winners. Yeah. Not how, how Far Shallow Takes You was a pretty good album, but I'm going to go with just pretty good. Um, I thought it dragged in parts. Oddly enough, as someone who usually prefers more upbeat punk rock and more melodic punk rock to like hardcore stuff, it was the more hard, it was the harder songs that caught my attention the most. Those seemed to be the ones I enjoyed the most on here. Uh, my deep cuts were Self-Appointed Leader, Reigns on Your Parade, Suds, and license from a cereal box. Brian, what did you yeah. think of an album that I know you owned and listened the hell out of, How Far Shallow Takes You? It was nice to dig back into it, and um, I actually got more appreciation now than I did then. Because I got, you know, I started, because I knew all the songs, I paid more attention to lyrics and things like that. And I, I open, or I love the opening few tracks at, uh, was it two two thirty six East Broadway on these days? Self appointed leader, and then it goes right into singles, and then it gets to the mend. And I love the mend, and same with like the other ones. And oh, burying your past, I love that. Um, I didn't think it dragged. I think there's definitely. I mean, for an album that's only thirty eight minutes long, it's weird to say there's some chuffa, but I do agree that there is chuffa. There is a couple of tracks they probably could have either. Um, you know, maybe let some of the songs breathe a little bit, give, uh, not rush through it, you know, past three minutes or 3.30, that's okay, that's okay, Gob, but, like, yeah, they could have, they could have done that, or, uh, maybe cut a few out and just, you know, 
give people a nice tight uh nice tight like 30 minute album but i still i still love it and it's still definitely uh it's gonna go back into the rotation it's kind of fallen out of favor for a bit but i think it's gonna go back into the rotation that's what i was about to ask you in terms of the rotation back in the day when you had this album how heavy a rotation was it for you in your in your disc minute school um, pretty pretty frequent, but also I didn't have as many CDs as I do now. I don't I didn't have Spotify or yeah. all the albums that I've ripped off other people that's just sitting in like I have so much music on my computer right now that like I could probably not buy another CD or like download another album or anything. If I listen to only what I have on my iTunes, I could probably listen for a couple months straight, maybe even, actually I'm gonna check. Give me a second. Well you're gonna th- th- this is a moot conversation because we're going to get into more albums that you're going to need to go download <laughs> for future no, episodes. So you're going to have uh, to keep way. doing it. Yes. But no, I, uh, it was it was a, it was was in pretty frequent rotation. I would go like Sky album, Punk album, and then kind of rotate that. And then occasionally <laughs> I throw in the, a little bit of my poppy hip hop or whatever al- uh, alternative albums I did hold on to. But uh, yeah, it was, it was in heavy rotation. Well, with their stock steadily on the rise, Gobbard released what would be their biggest album in the year 2000. That would be The World According to Gob. It was produced by Neil King, an Englishman who had worked with bands like Squeeze and Elvis Costello, and even San Diego ska legends Buck 09. Brian, if you don't mind, a little My Town. <laughs> yeah, a no place I'd rather be. My Town. My street, give me a piece of mind that can't be beat, yeah My town, my street, give me a piece of mind that can't be beat Give me a piece of mind that can't be beat You know, you know, uh, getting Freddy down to sleep has been tricky So what I'll do is I'll do what they call like the, the mom hop Where you kind of hop around with the baby, they like that, right? Right And I've been, I've been singing to him And the other night I sang my town to him Really? Yeah. Just, just, you get tired and desperate. You go back just to the songs you know. I was trying to sing like some like classic like sixties like CCR in the band, and I yeah. remember maybe one or two full verses in the chorus, and then that would be it from the song. But uh, my town, <laughs> I remembered all the lyrics. So thank you, Bucko Nine. You're helping me get my kid to sleep. Did he actually go down? Uh no. Then I broke into Sellout by Real Big Fish. And uh, I think he was down about, mid, about midway through that. You know, I could see Freddie just going, for God's sakes, I'll go to sleep if you just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but they like it because they, they can recognize your voice at that age finally. Like, yeah, right. yeah he, I, I said something to him the other day. Like, hey, buddy. And he looked at me like, <laughs> freaked out look because it, it just he started to recognize. Oh, that's what that thing sounds like. Yeah. Cats going around. Anyhow, back on track with Cobb. Uh, the world according to Gob would uh, produce the singles I Hear You Calling. I hear you calling, calling for me out in the night, but it's all bad, and I know that. For the moment. But I cling to you for survival, and I know that you are my body. Get out, I'm scared For the moment But I know that 
regrets. gold status reaching number 30 on Canadian charts their only album to chart ever in Canada and number 194 down south and I know you're not very impressed if it doesn't break the top 100 but, but come on it's still at least you charted no I mean it's to actually get on Would American charts sorry cat was <laughs> hitting a drawer making all kinds of noise Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, to, to be a small little punk band and, and get on the charts is, is an accomplishment. So I will I will give them that. If Now, if they were on the Canadian charts and only hitting like one something, that'd be a different story. I'd be like, what the hell is this? But, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, the first fact, just being a punk band making the charts is a thing in itself and then being a Canadian punk band also. Yeah. I hear you calling. That would score a Juno nomination for best video, Soccer Playing Zombies, if you haven't seen the video. It's yeah. a great one. Uh, but it would lose to our man Hoxley Workman and his video for the song Jealous of Your Cigarette. You know, I'm not crazy about that song, but what I am crazy about is his lyric in the waving flag, Young Artists for Canada. We always play this when we talk about Hoxley. Give it to me, Brian! Do you know what this is turning into? This is turning into like when Conan would just bail out of a joke and pull that weird lever to play like a clip. I was just like, that's like this. That's my bail. I, I got to do something about the, the clip? cat. Hold on. Rip, would you knock it off? Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. <laughs> what was the clip whenever Conan pulled that lever? What was it always? Walker it was like Jack's a car crash. Yeah. yeah. It was always like the car crash, right? Car crash? No, it was Walker, Texas Ranger. But wasn't there a car? Oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of Paul Rudd and his Mac and Me. This well, yeah, he, would, off a cliff. he would do the Mac and Me thing. And then they do this thing with Brian McCann. You know, he was the guy who played Preparation H. Raymond? Yeah. Where he'd be in the studio and Conan would be like, uh, and of course on June 19th, I'll be taking the show on the road to Toronto. And uh, then Brian McCann go, hold on there, Conan. Don't you mean June 18th you're coming to Toronto? No, it's June 19th. And then he'd go, Oh God! Oh God! They'd run the stairs and go. There's no reason to live. There's no reason to live. And then he'd say something. He'd be like, "Where's my bicycle?" And he'd get on the bicycle. And then it was literally a video clip they'd play of a guy falling off a cliff <laughs> on a bike. But then they'd do it where he'd be like, "Don't worry, Conan stuck the landing." And then he'll go. He'll say something. And get him mad. And then again, it's all no reason to live. They had like ten of these disaster clips. He'd go, "Where's my kayak?" And there'd be a kayak yeah. crashing down a mountain and stuff like that. So <laughs> they always had something different with that. That was another like clip he'd play. You know, it's funny. Uh, when did you see when Conan kind of did his final farewell to his old show mm -hmm. and uh, like in the episodes leading up to the finale, he did. Uh, he had. Longtime friend of the show, uh, what's his face? Bill Hader, oh, yeah. on, and Paul Rudd crashed it. Oh, okay. And he's like, and he kind of explained the, uh, uh, what's the word? 
the genesis of the Mac and me bit. And he's like, Conan, did I ever tell you when I came on here when I decided to do this whole little bit, I had a whole other movie planned. Originally it wasn't going to be Mac and me. And he goes on this long winded explanation of this other movie that sounded ridiculous. And he's like, tonight I'm going to break the silence and show you this clip. And he just does another Mac and me, and Conan's like, damn it! <laughs> he's like freaking out, and his face laughing. It's so funny. Like, he's got one last zinger right now. It was great. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, while the world, according to Gob, got, actually got mixed reviews from critics, uh, I think that this is their best album to this point in their career. Um, the songs are mostly upbeat and catchy. The production is the best it's been so far. This actually truly yeah. feels like a professional album, not just, as you said, how many fast songs can we fit into one disc? Yeah. Uh, favorite deep cuts for me were Pinto, X Shuffle, and Been So Long. Brian, your thoughts on the world according to Gob? Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, I was weirdly going to pick those exact same songs, but... Uh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, that happens a lot. Well, I mean, you and I, have, like, people have basically said we share a brain our whole lives. So, I mean, and we have very similar tastes, so yeah. I mean, it's bound to happen. But, uh, no, it's, you can, like, even when they kick off, like, right for, like, for the moment, like, you can tell it's going to be a bit more mature-sounding album. They're going to taper down some of the hijinks. I mean, they save the hijinks for the videos if you watch their, like, the video for yeah. for the moment. But uh, uh, they're still a fun band. But the, I also forgot that about no regrets i hadn't heard listened to no regrets in forever that was a great song yeah but, it is um, it really is but yeah you can see a maturity you can see a um gr- growth and everything so it's but th- i think this was their kind of they hit the peak and then they started to like i still liked foot and mouth disease and we'll get into that in a minute but uh i do feel like they hit their peak and then they've kind of gradually been going to the other side yeah that's what happens with a lot of bands but, uh, no, World According to Gob is kind of, huh, I would say that's your starting point for Gob. If I were to introduce Gob to a new a new listener, I go, start yeah. with World According to Gob, then backtrack, and then check out the newer stuff if you like what you've heard. But start here, and then go back and do that weird way around. Don't go in chronological order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I take that back. You know how I'd introduce Gob to somebody? Hmm. I'd, really, I'd introduce God to somebody with the 2002 EP, the FU EP. This would basically serve as a greatest hits for their newfound American audience. So people who liked World According to God would go buy this as a companion piece. Um, right. And it features re-recordings of What to Do and Beauville and Soda and features a trio of new songs including Ming Tran, which was released as a single and appeared on the show The Cartoon Being Ian – on an episode that Gob also appeared. I never watched Being Ian, did you? No. Yeah, neither did I. As well as L.A. Song and Sick With You, both really good tunes, and I like this release. It's the perfect, like, this is Gob. Enjoy, kind of thing. Yeah. I remember you telling me a story about Ming Tran, because it's kind of a weird song. Like, my my friend Ming Tran will kick you right in the face. <laughs> Wasn't there a story that that was like, like someone they just like met on tour in Japan who was like a karate expert or something i think so i don't even remember telling you this story but uh you heard on edge 102 or something like that way back yeah when. yeah well i mean it definitely does sound like uh it's about somebody because at first i'm like who or what is ming tran <laughs> it's about somebody sure they uh oh they like to kick yeah uh, 
Might be evasion descent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember telling you the story, but oh, uh, this is, we heard it on the radio, and you were telling me this was ages ago. It just kind of came to me now. That's why I wasn't in the script. That's why I didn't warn you about it before the show. It just kind of came to me, one of those things. Yeah. But I think it's about someone the band knows. How's that? Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, up next for Gob was 2003's Foot and Mouth Disease, which we've hyped up quite a bit going into this. Uh, that was co-produced by Mark Trombino. Now, Mark Trombino was kind of a, uh, a hot name in terms of the uh, punk rock boom of the late 90s and early 2000s. His production credits include Blink-182's Dude Ranch and Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World. So needless to say, Gob was in good hands when it came to uh, foot and mouth disease. Ning Tran would also appear on this disc. So... For yeah. Canadians who didn't get access to the F-U-E-B, well, here's Ming Tran for you. It's on this one. Uh, and it was joined by the singles, This Evil World. I'm trying to keep them grounded. Where are you? Where are you now? Where are you? What have you done? Where are you? Where are you now? Oh, Ellen, which would appear in the video game NHL 2004. which was used in the movie American Wedding, as well as the video game uh, Madden. And uh, Madden 2004. It was in Madden 2004. Also, the song I've Been Up These Steps was not released as a single, but did feature in the video game NHL 2003, and the entire band would be playable characters in the game NHL 2004. Really? You could play as Gob in that game, yeah. See, I'm surprised they didn't try to put him in, like, a FIFA, because I think they're big soccer guys. Really? Oh, because of the I Hear You Calling video? Well, I think, I forget who it was, I think it's Theo is a big soccer guy, like, plays in, played in, like, rec leagues, or, like, uh, or, like, would always be at as many games as he could when they weren't okay. touring, or, would, like, if they were in Europe, he'd try to take it, I think I heard that somewhere, but, uh, I could be wrong, but, I mean, it makes sense with the zombie thing, but. And again, they continue their trend of really, really good music videos here, because, uh, Gil yeah. the Grudge was kind of a cool video. Uh, I remember Bradford Howe, famed much music VJ Bradford Howe, <laughs> filmed, he was an extra in it, but he is like, you can only see him at the end of the video when they're like the two sides kind of split off and they're walking away from each other. Yeah. And uh, he pointed it out. Now I can't unsee it. Every time I watch the video, I go, hey, it's Bradford. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a good video where it's like you get the skate kids and the punk kids who kind of like square off against the uh, the yuppies and the boomers. It's a generational class war. Yeah. And then eventually they're kind of. They don't actually fight, right? If memory serves, they all just start dancing in the middle. They meet in the middle and they start like dancing they the They kind of have a mosh pit. Yeah. So it's they kind of yeah. 
bond over. I think the boomer types are like, I guess it'd be maybe Gen Xers are uh, they're like, hey, I was once young. I like this type of music too. We could all get down, you know. We're now, still, I, I'm with it. I'm hip. What <laughs> I really <laughs> remember about Give Up the Grudge is the summer that came out, I was working at Gino's Pizza in Ancaster. And working with me at Gino's Pizza were three guys we went to high school with, Adam Pontefract, Mike Edier, and Sean Swartman. These three guys were obsessed with this song in terms of they hated the song to the point that they brought in the lyrics to break down how much they hated it. <laughs> Their argument? You're complaining about complainers! And that bothered them so much for weeks they were going off on this and telling other people when it would come on the radio how much that bothered them. And I'm like, yeah, but that's punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> you do this complain about shit. <laughs> they really, yeah, really did true. not like the lyrics. I mean, you know, it's not punk rock if, you know, if they're not whining about something. Because every punk band has some sort of axe to grind, whether it's against the government or the whatever. It's always yeah. the, people are bitching about something because that's, the, you know, the nature of punk rock is to defy something or to fight yeah. something. So they're never exactly. happy. And if anything, I didn't, I, you know, listening to the lyrics back, um, I don't really feel like they're complaining about complainers. They're just kind of saying, hey, man, hands off. It's all good. Don't be a hater. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just be, just, just let it be. Yeah. That's kind of what I feel the message is. I don't really feel like it's whining about people who whine. I really think it's like just, you know, just let things be. Just be cool, man. Give up the grudge. Yeah. Yeah. But I just remember how much it bothered them and how. And I was like, <laughs> you're really bothered this much by a Gunnup song? Like, and, and, and not because they didn't like how it sounded, but because of the lyrics. It was, it was strange. Yeah. Um, this release would also include a bonus DVD that featured a bunch of Gob's older material that was included in the FUEP. You can play that on your CD player. Uh, and then it also played the music videos for the world from the world according to Gob. So he had a nice little collection if you got the bonus version of foot and mouth disease. Um, sales actually proved to be stronger in the US for this release than they would be in Canada. Foot and mouth disease did not chart in Canada, but it got to number 132 in the States. It sold more. The wow. world according to God. Yeah, it did very well down there. Unfortunately, it would get mediocre reviews from critics, with many taking exception to the fact that Theo only got to sing lead on one song. Yeah. The dynamic between Theo and Tom at this point was basically gone, and I think that's kind of a shame. Yeah. But I also, Theo's still in the band. I don't think this was like a decision that I, I I don't think that he was blind to this decision. You know what I mean? I think that he was probably helped made it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Like, cause I know when we were younger blink fans, they, and we saw that one interview with them where they're like, yeah, whoever wrote the song sings the song. Now, I don't know if Gob has that, had that thing. And maybe Tom was just very creative on this album. Maybe Theo had something going on where he wasn't writing as much or, Maybe they're like if they when they demo the song they're like this has this doesn't really have a Theo voice tone to it so yeah. maybe they're like maybe all their songs are a bit softer to the point where it's like it kind of bled more to like Tom's voice than Theo's voice because the ones that Theo always sang especially like on How Far Shall It Takes You like the really like choppy almost like thrash punk kind of songs and th that really 
uh, lent to his kind of gravelly voice. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah, like, but then he'd oh, also do a, like a super poppy song, like What to Do. That's true. You know, I got I thought I felt kind of at this point he was becoming kind of the Ringo of uh, yeah of Gob, where he'd have that one song per album <laughs> that everyone would really really like, and that'd be the Theo song. But uh, unfortunately, uh, they didn't keep that up as time went on. But it might be like remember how we did uh, the Sloan episode? Uh, there was the one album that Andrew Scott didn't get any songs on. And that was basically his call because he was too busy. He just had a kid. You know what I mean? They were recording in L.A. He was out in Toronto. It was just easier for him not to do one. This might be the thing with Theo. He just might have other things on the go. It's just easier for him not to commit himself to more than one or two songs an album. Yeah. Where was I? Mediocre reviews. Mediocre reviews, but I thought this was still a good album. It was. Uh, Um, It's... I think it just some of the gob charm had kind of been lost. Like there's some great songs like Lemonade uh, and the singles are good. And um, where's another one? There's another one I really liked. I think it was. Well, the other two I had were I Cut Myself Two and Bones. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at those and uh, I think it was I think it was Cold Feet. I really liked as well. I can't remember. I mean, give me a second. Did you get. Did you get the vibe from this album that it was less punk rock and maybe just like more hard rock? Yeah, I definitely. Um, what did this come out? Two thousand three. You know, Sum Forty One was really getting big, and I think they were kind of letting the scene at the time kind of shape their music because they were like, people were probably and like look at like some of the albums you mentioned that guy produced, Bleed American. That mm-hmm. album was huge. And it's not overly heavy, but it's, like, a good rock album. And that's true. It's not really a punk album either. either. Yeah. Even though, like, Jimmy Eat World's always kind of been punk adjacent. They're not really a punk exactly. band. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. I, I think that producer probably tried to lead him in that way. It's like, you got some good pop punk material. You got some good catchy songs like Give Up the Grudge and Oh, Ellen. They're very catchy. Um, let me guide you that way, and we'll maybe we'll get you some more radio play kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and there's nothing kind of, wrong with that, but it's just uh, they, it lost some of the charm that made them very likable at the start, and you know, like the the lack of Theo and also the you know potential harmonies, all out the window. You know, we always talk about this how when we were kids, we might take a look at an album like this where it's a lot less punk rock than it was as being yeah. selling out, but now that we're old men, yeah. we're kind of like. <laughs> You don't want to be 35 years old playing this, you know, doing songs like the marching song where you're farting and playing a kazoo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you want to that's what I was them. saying. Like, like, I'm not shitting on this album because it's bad. It's just, it's not quite gob and, um, but it's still a good album. But like, that's the thing. Like we always kind of drag Pennywise's name through the mud, right? Like, look at those guys. They're, they're in their fifties now doing the same, same 12 songs, every album. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it works for them because you know every year or every couple of years they get younger fans who are just just discovering them, and so they'll come out to like it's fresh to them. Whereas like Fletcher's probably just playing the same like three chords, it's like like Fletcher, what song are you on? It's like I don't know, they're all the they same. They all sound <laughs> the same after a while. They do, and that is the thing with punk rock is that you know. I know, like, the whole essence of it is we don't care if every song, thing songs, every song sounds the same. We're punk rock. Yeah. But when you're at a stage when you're gob and you're trying to sell albums, you do care. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're still, they're, you know, they were probably of the mindset. They're like, we're young enough still. And, you know, we have enough, like, friends around us that are doing well. Like, because they, they're friends with Sum 41 and things like that. And so they're like, maybe we can catch some of their splash. 
and try to make a bid for the states to try to blow up to like a maybe not a green day level but maybe, well, maybe get to that sub 41 level yeah or yeah. You know, like a newfound glory level or whatever or a simple yeah. plan level actually simple plan was straight up popped i don't think they could have caught simple plan. well they started off doing pop punk and then they kind of took the mariana's trench approach where they were like yeah. who are we kidding yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Unfortunately, Foot and Mouth Disease would be the final album Gob would release for another four years. But they'd stay busy. Um, and we mentioned this all the time. We talked about it in the Trouble Charger episode. And I'm sure we will again during the Swollen Members episode that's coming up. Uh, Gob would appear in the 2003 Canadian road trip movie, Going the Distance. Brian. I know you watched this one recently. Yes, I did. I would love for a little bit of a review to an American uh, listener who maybe has not heard of this thing. Sell them on Going the Distance. Okay. Great Canadian music movie. It was basically our attempt of a coming-of-age, raunchy comedy, but with the... It's like the American Pie meets, uh, well, little road trip. Uh, so it's the movie Road Trip with Tom Green. I know the movie. Okay, did they see a lot that of Canadians you? in that one? He had Tom Green and that Pablo Costanzo guy. He's Canadian too. Is it Pablo? Right. I don't know his first name. I Enrico. Know. <laughs> I don't know someone like that. Costanzo. Uh, but yeah, so it's basically um, this kid. His his girlfriend goes to take an internship to work for this. Jason Priestley plays this real skeezy uh, record producer and. I guess he's nominated for some uh, MMVA awards. So she goes to like intern and over at the MMVAs and doing this whole thing. And he clearly wants the banger. So he wants to go to from uh, Tofino to Toronto to basically like propose and kind of lock it down. And he gets his two best friends, uh, the stand up comedian named Ryan Belleville and some other guy who's literally just trying to be stiffler always wearing a cowboy hat um, to uh, to come along and so they drive they basically they drug him in the middle of the night they give him a bunch of pot brownies so he blacks out so he wakes up they're on the road and he's you know he's the wet blanket of the group he's like come on guys what are you doing and, and uh, uh, he's like the guy from Euro Trip you know the main guy's a real wiener yeah Scott Scotty doesn't time. know Scotty yeah Scotty doesn't know yeah so he's taking I that I fucking role. love that scene with Matt Damon. That scene so is unexpected. hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> you didn't expect Matt Damon to show up. Oh. Yeah, because um, I think he was friends with some of the filmmakers or something, so they're like, hey, well, you he want to do this bit? filming nearby. Yeah. And he was just like, this looks interesting. Can I be in this? And they're like, yeah, here you go. Um, but yeah, so along the way, they encounter uh, these two girls who are musicians in their own right, and they, they're stranded, and so they pick them up and... Yeah, the, the hijinks ensue, and then they uh, they meet some artists along the way when they get to Toronto. And so Swollen Members is in it. They uh, Gob's in it, who uh, Theo basically bullies the Stifler guy because he's just trying to be a hanger-on. He wants to blend in with all the cool kids. Yeah. And so Theo just, like, treats him like shit. It's hilarious. And then Avril, yeah. th- Avril throws water on him and all this stuff. And uh, Is it available to stream anywhere? It's on, I watched the whole thing on YouTube. Oh, it's on YouTube. Okay, great. Not to watch it. Uh, so, I mean, there are some laughs in it. Some, a bit of a, you know, very Canadian filmmaking at the time. Like, now Canadian films and productions are getting much better with how they write yeah. and stuff. But back then, there's very, 
you can tell this is Canadian, you know what I mean? But um, it, it was it was enjoyable. But uh, okay. actually, I recognized the one guy who was the wet blanket because, well, I saw this Canadian TV movie called Tagged, the Jonathan Wombach story about this kid who I got remember. like... I I watched that with you. Yeah, so he was one of the bullies, like the Wigger kids. Uh, okay. And then I saw him in that movie Battle in Seattle. He played... Uh, there was like a new uh, one girl who was a, uh, an- a journalist who's trying to get into the riots and stuff and see what's going on. He gets like pepper sprayed. He was a camera. He was good in that for a small role. But uh, okay. yeah, I just, some people have recognizable faces. I always recognize that guy and stuff. But, I mean, it, it is what it was. Okay. All right. Our contribution to the teen sex movies of the, exactly. of the time. Yeah. All right, where were we? A review. Oh, here we go. The other big thing that happened to God between albums is that Tom was recruited to replace the departing Dave Brownsound Baksh of Sum 41 for tour in 2007. And by 2009, frontman Derek Wibley confirmed that Tom was an official member of the band. Um, and in addition to Sum 41, Tom would also play with Todd Morse of H2O and Cone of Sum 41 in the garage rock band The Operation MD. You ever heard of them? Yeah, they have that song, Sayonara. That's oh, that they, she said, see you later. Yeah. She said, oh, that's a great song. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Tom. Yeah. And I remember Cone being in the video. I didn't realize Tom was there, too. Uh, he but also he served might as have, a film. He might have joined after that song. I don't know, but depending on when it was, but... And the other big thing he did was he served as a fill-in for Noodles with The Offspring for several shows. So Tom is uh, well-regarded as a guitar player in uh, punk rock circles. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Even, like, we've always established from the beginning, instrumentation was never Gob's problem. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, too, with the Sum 41 thing? Uh, so Dave rejoined the band, has since rejoined. Yeah, they now they're like Tom a five-piece. Now they're just... It's like how, like, with the Foo Fighters, how yeah. guys would leave and they all come back and there's just this giant band with, like, a million guitars. That's, like, some 41. Well, that's the thing. The only person who ever came back was always, uh, what's Pat's his face? Fear. Yeah. And they're just yeah. like, well, Pat's old. He probably needs money. Let <laughs> him stay in. But also, it gives Dave Grohl a chance to just run around and not always have to play guitar. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So maybe Derek Wibbley's more taking the guitar off for a bit and just showing his weird foot face to everybody. Well, you know, because Tom plays the drums, in that band, the McCrackens. I wonder if you'll get behind the kit so Steve-O32 can get on the microphone when he raps Fat Lip and Steve-O what we're all about instead of drumming. Did he leave? I'm pretty sure he left. And what's the point of even having a Sum 41? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll, I'll Google it right now. Yeah, it says past member Steve Jocks. All right, then so. I'll go back to my point. <laughs> what's the point? Two of their biggest hits they can't perform. I mean, I'm sure one of the guys can do a little rivety rap. Maybe I don't Tom want to hear Cone rap. Oh, that'd be lame, wouldn't it? I'm sure it's not Cone rapping. Maybe it's maybe it's just Derek Wibbley and uh, and Tom, or maybe I don't I know. Want maybe to Tom rap either. <laughs> I'm just trying to put a positive spin, right? Y'all don't, I don't know why. I haven't listened to some 41 in forever. Yeah, uh, still, you know, the, the, the biggest hits were really good. All right, where were you? Oh, we're talking about Todd. All right, it was time for God to get back into the studio and their fifth album, Muertos Vivos, was released in October of 2007. It was produced by Tom and Theo, and they kind of threw away a lot of the pop-punk melodies that they became famous for in yep. favor of a sound. I said it sounds a lot more like Rise Against. 
this album. Yeah, I was I was gonna say the uh, like I was listening to God this album last night and I couldn't I couldn't pin who they were trying to sound like. Like I was thinking maybe it was kind of like uh, taking back Sunday, uh, the used kind of thing, like not quite punk, but not quite like screamo, but they were kind of like somewhere in between where they were just like the they're still trying to be hard, but it wasn't hard and fast, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't and, know if they go so far into the like the used realm. They weren't that kind of Yeah, not the used. That's goosey, why like goosey, Taking Back or, Sunday came to me because they were the like the, the the guy's voice, like the pitch in the, the the Taking Back Sunday or the um what's that other band? The the uh, brand new. They kinda had a brand new kind okay. of Okay. So that, that was that was the vibe I was getting, but okay, I didn't think it was as uh, as like as accessible as those bands. That's why I said something a little more harder, like uh, Rise Against. But we hey, that's the great thing about this show: two people look at an album and they pull different things from it. Yeah. Uh, also, this was recorded in the home of their current bass player Stephen Fairweather before he joined the band. So he was oh. not the bassist at that time, but then he'd later become the bassist. Uh, but he still let them record in his home. It just shows you how tight British Columbian musicians are. Yeah. We're All Dying is a killer lead-off tune. That was one of the singles. I really like that one. Underground and Banshee song were also released as singles, but none of them were promoted very well. And uh, the album really did uh, fly under the radar a lot more than their other releases. Um, this album did get very good reviews across the board, getting four out of five reviews for the websites Europunk and thepunksite.com. And I honestly think if you don't look at it as a gob album, yeah, and you just look at it for its musical quality, it might be their best album. It's not very yes. gob-like, but yes. in terms of just the production, how the songs are structured, what they sound like, the quality, I think, is the best album. Yeah, I think the pr- this is the thing about music is every album, like, you can't block music out. So, like, when you, when you, you pick up an album of a band that you know, you take all that past history with it. And so sometimes people can't be objective. Now, like, if you handed your wife this album and said, you've never listened to God before, correct? And she put it on, and it's like, this is a good album. But then it's like, if you if you introduce this other stuff, she'd be like, I kind of like that other stuff more. You know what I mean? So the, we have the burden of knowing their past. Yeah. But you're right. If if Because I was listening to it last night, and I was like, this is a good album. It just... It didn't feel like a guy. It just completely like they they almost should have put it under a different like Tom and Theo plus friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's mainly because it's it's like I said, it's less poppy. Like the big radio yeah. friend. There's no radio friendly hit here. It well, is the, but- actually the 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 one that I thought could have been a radio friendly hit was Prescription. I really like that. Okay, one, but, I had that uh, one as one of my favorite tunes too from this one. Yeah. Prescription. I really thought that was good. I also had eighteen and Wake Up. Yeah. Those were good. I like those. My, uh, I do have a beef with this album, though. What's that? Uh, some of the ballads I didn't think really worked for me at all. Yeah. Tom, for the genre he most frequently sings, he's a good singer. 
for yes. a ballad, he's not your guy. Yes. Yeah. And also, this is a huge departure. Another reason why it doesn't feel like a gob record, because it's literally the length of two gob records in the past. <laughs> 55 minutes and 19 seconds. I, but wasn't, uh, wasn't the final track on here five minutes? I think so. Yeah. So... There you go. They're, they're, they're branching out. With age comes maturity, and that's the capability to write a longer song. Yeah. Um, I say go check this out. I remember when oh, I worked yeah. at Dauphin. I'm definitely not dogging this album at all. When I worked at Dauphin, I was given the album. I don't. I think I left it up there, though. I don't think I ever listened to it. I was given this album <laughs> like a shirt, and they had all this gob merch from that album because I guess they came through Dauphin on a tour, and they just like left a bunch of their stuff at the station like here give this away and they never gave it away it was just so much stuff yeah uh but yeah yeah i remember all this gob stuff just sitting around the office i'm like what happened how come i've never heard of this album (laughs) well hold on they did they play a show in dauphin or were they just passing through before i got there i believe they played a show and to hype up the show, they dropped off a bunch of shirts and a bunch of copies of the album at the radio station. That's so weird. Dauphin is so small. Why wouldn't they just play in like Brandon or Winnipeg? Unless they were well, trying they, to hit like all these small places too. They probably they probably did. Like we would get weird acts come through Dauphin. Just and it's usually just based on convenience. And also Gob at that point, that album wasn't promoted that well. Yeah. Um, and you will see certain Artists do shows in kind of podunk towns, even if they've got Juno nominations or had heavy rotation on much music. Right. You know, they, it's 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 the gig. It's a new audience. Well, I think uh, also too for a town like Dauphin, what was the population? Eight thousand, fifteen thousand. It was I, when I was there. I remember someone saying, "Whatever, like the cutoff for a city is, whatever the lowest number you can have to be a city is what the population was." Okay. So, it was like one extra. When I moved to town, they had a big party because they could be a city again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because it's so small, I think it's one of those things. If someone of whatever note comes around, they're like, I think they'd go even if they weren't a fan just because it's entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember um, when we went to go see Less Than Jake in Toronto and they did that big show with Big D and the kids table and the interrupters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking to the merch guy because I was buying a shirt, and someone asked him before, "Hey, uh, how was how, uh, you guys played Timmins last night? What the heck's the show in Timmins gonna be like?" He said it was a sellout, but it was a weird crowd because it was just everyone in the town showed up, right? Because it was something to do that night, you know. So they had a huge crowd. Not everyone there knew what ska was or what less than Jake was, but everyone showed up because it was something to do. That's hilarious. I mean, yeah, yeah. and you get people from all other little towns around showing up as well. You know, that's the thing. I've never actually had to move that far from the GTA. Yeah, I mean, kudos to you for for doing it. But uh, so I've always been able to have my centralized entertainment. Where I yeah, where it's like you just go and you're like, oh, there's something besides watching the snow fall. Thank God. <laughs> And I'll tell you, in Dauphin, at the time I was there, the movie theater had burnt down. <laughs> apparently they have a new – I saw pictures of their new movie theater. Oh, it burnt down. Like, apparently it took them forever to like even clean up the rubble, right? And then people were like, let's build a new movie theater. And people were like, hold on a second there. We don't need to do that. So basically they had pulled all of their money into this like really nice state-of-the-art hockey arena. 
and it had a bit of a water park in it. Um, they had these great boards they could put on over the ice so they could play volleyball in this arena and stuff like that. Like the, For high school sports, they were looking good. Oh, that's cool. Okay? For anything else, you were twiddling your... Here's, okay, here's a story. <laughs> if you did not play hockey in this town, you're, you're screwed. It's like Mystery I Alaska. My, I was getting my laundry done one day. Sitting there, these, these, these two kids, the three kids, they're hanging out. And they're talking about grades. They're talking about girls, things high school kids talking about. The one kid says to the other, hey, uh, how many alarms did you get on Friday? He's like, three. And he goes, fuck, I only got two. I was like, what? Hear them talking. What they would do, they go on a Friday night. They'd find a bush. They'd set it on fire. They'd run away and hide, call the fire department. And whoever had the most trucks show up to their fire would win at the end of the night. That's what they were doing because they were so bored. Bunch of dorks. Yeah, because the city just took all the money. They said everyone plays hockey. We're all gonna play hockey, forgetting the fact that no, not every person plays hockey. But um, I thought they still had these. uh, You know, you could still buy hooch, and they had beverage rooms like you always talked about. Well, yeah, but if you're in high school, you can't go get drunk at a beverage room. But they still. I assume (laughs) me, you can. (laughs) I assume they still had restaurants and stuff that kids could go out for dinner or go on a date or. Well, yeah, yeah, they they did have restaurants, but even then, there wasn't that many uh, restaurants. like all those little hotels had their little restaurants. We had we had Thunder Saloon, which the mayor uh, worked at. I remember one time calling him up for an interview, and he's like, "I'm just flipping burgers right now." <laughs> like he, he it was his restaurant. He ran it, but oh, okay. like he also like worked in the kitchen. Yeah, he owned the restaurant. Okay. And like we had a Boston Pizza and a Pizza Hut. We had two A and Ws across the street from one another. So you could go. Let's go to the new A and W, not the old A and W. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we had Darien's Downtown Diner, but they weren't open for dinner. They were only open for breakfast and lunch. And, like, a couple other restaurants are only open. A lot of the restaurants did that. They only open for breakfast or lunch, and they'd be closed by 8 o'clock. So even then, you'd have to go to Boston Pizza, really, or Thunder Saloon. Right. To have the uh, late-night dinner if you wanted to do that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went at a very lean time for the town. Right. Apparently, it's gotten better. I saw pictures of the new movie theater. It looks great. So I'm not trashing it. Apparently, they're making good strides over there. Well, that's good. Last check it. So I mean, but when I was there, it was a very lean time. Well, the other thing too is like, especially like the way where we grew up in Hamilton, Toronto uh, area, it's expanding so much. But like, you can't afford to live here. Like, yes, I can afford my little shoebox apartment, but to, as Jake always says, the sons of Ancaster have been forced out. He gets very dramatic about it. <laughs> what is he, Odin? I know. Talking to Thor and Loki? But so, Jeez. I mean, you know, if if I had nothing tying me down here, you know, if, if I had a decent job out in Dauphin or something, like, I'd go there. You know, the, uh, the, my salary would probably get me a nice mansion out there. I'll tell you, man, you come up to Thunder Bay, you'll be able to get a place. Thunder Bay is the second lowest, um, price for a house in Ontario outside of Windsor. Windsor's the lowest. Well, I've been talking to someone from Windsor recently and uh, they're like they're getting hit like the 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 housing boom that's hit Hamilton and it's now shifted oh, down to right? London. Apparently Windsor's kind of catching up. So it's not as good as they thought. 
Because I was thinking, yeah. I'm like, is there any uh, government, like where I work, is there any offices in Windsor? Maybe I could get shifted down there. To because I was, I had the same thought. I could probably buy a house there too, but I don't know. Well, then the, the other thing is you do is you don't go to the say you find a bedroom community. You find like a Binbrook or a Milton or a Caledonia. Oh no, those and you are buy a house there. Those are well, all. I, I, those I, are all picked over now too. It's, it's, I, I could see that way coming when I was working in Caledonia. Yeah. And that they were expanding fast and people were buying homes out there fast. Yeah. yeah so you got to find that untapped market. Just keep going west. Keep going yeah. to Hangersville or something or Jarvis. Yeah. Enjoy the corn fest. <laughs> no disrespect to Jarvis, but I remember running into DeLaw at um, the Simcoe Ice Cream Festival uh, back when I worked for 820 Chan. And uh, he was giving me directions to get back to Hamilton. He goes, all right, you're going to turn left here. You're going to drive for 20 minutes. Then you're going to go through a piece of shit town called Jarvis. <laughs> Jarvis is not that bad. I'm not ragging on Jarvis, but it was just his words. No, I, uh, like... <laughs> I visited my uncle in Port Dover a few times, like last summer during yeah. the pandemic and everything, just to like we do a little socially distanced chit chat. And uh, I had to drive through all those towns. It's literally yeah. just a quick cup of coffee, and you're through the town. But if you want a house, that's what I recommend you doing. Yeah. Go there, St. Thomas. That's pretty out of the way. You can probably get a good deal on a house in St. Thomas. Oh, you know where you get a good deal on a house is um, middle of nowhere. It reminded it reminded me of. Um, when I worked at Wingham. Oh, yeah. Wingham. I had the job interview in Wingham. And I looked around. I'm like, holy shit. This is just Dauphin, but it's in Ontario. <laughs> just one street right in. Really nice radio station, though, there. I didn't get the job, but the air quality. I remember breathing this in. I'm like, yeah, we have asbestos in our walls in Dauphin. This feels great. Last summer, or when was it? Last spring, summerish. I don't know. Whenever the hell I was briefly seeing this uh, girl, she had a family cottage in King Carden. And so one okay. of the one of the ways I had to get home was through uh Wingham. So I stopped for gas in Wingham and you're right. It is very it was very fresh air out there. Yeah, yeah. Good air there in Wingham. <laughs> I think it's it's because Arthur is the the Mennonite community and it's right there. So I think you get this little like gap in pollution. Yeah. Where <laughs> pollution just stops in Mennonite country. Who's in um, that movie, The Air Up There? Was that, Kevin Bacon. That's what I thought. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Well, the air up there in Wingham is nice. All right, let's talk about Gob's last album, 2014's Apartment 13. It was released on the independent label New Damage Records, and it was produced by Tom. And after his role as Coldly vocalist slowly diminished over the years, Theo sings zero. Kind of rhymes, Theo sings zero. Songs on this release which upset many of their fans. Cold. <laughs> Hell were released as singles. The album was wet, met with mixed reviews by critics. Some saw it as a return to form uh, for the band following Muertos Vivos, while others viewed it as uh, this release that the band is no longer having fun and is quite far removed from uh, their punk rock roots. Yeah. Brian, I know you had some very negative connotations about this album, <laughs> so why don't I let you start? Well, 
I'll try to add a little bit of uh, sugar on the uh, the saltiness that I'm going to throw on this uh, <laughs> album. But I will say, like like you said, Radio Hell, Cold, Walking Alone, and New York were acceptable. They were okay. But the rest, they were going straight for pop. They had just really lost the, any of the punk element. Uh, and you're right. It, it just... No fun was had. These it just felt like they were just walking. I, I, I didn't. I didn't say that. That was what the critics said. Well, whatever. But whatever you were reading from the critics, they were right. They just felt like they were walking through the motions, and there was no. There's no passion. It was just very. I don't know if they had an album too that they had like. Well, I guess you said this was on an independent album, so it's not like they had some album commitment. So they had to like, all right, we still owe. Yeah. whoever won more album, so they just like slapped this together. So the fact that they actually made this, went out of their way to make this, like I don't know if the band was like fractured at the time, they were doing it just to keep up for the financial streams, or um, I don't know, maybe Tom had, despite the fact that he produced it, he still, I, I don't know, I, at first I thought he had like one foot in, one foot out because of his Sum 41 shit, and, uh, but I, I don't know, I just, thumbs down. Well, let me tell you. Now, you told me that you didn't like this yeah. before I got a chance to listen to it. Yeah. So I did go in with very, very low expectations based on what you said. Yeah. However, I really had no issue with it. No? This album. Um, it, it, you know, when you said it was like so bad and everything like that, I thought, oh, my God, it's unlistenable. It's kind of back into the, the whole thing that Muertos Vivos had where it's not really a gob album. Yeah. But if you take it on its own, I heard kind of some influences in there. There's a lot of some Muse, some Interpool, some The Killers, some Foo Fighters. Kind of, to me, sounds like a 2009 alternative rock album, but it was released in like 2014. Yeah, it definitely felt like more contemporary of that. um, Yeah, you're right. Contemporary rock. And and there is some punk rock sprinkled in there. Um, You know, the lead lead off to Apartment 13. That's a great, great song. Uh, Walking Alone, I liked. I liked Nil. And this might be a contentious one. But um, I liked uh, Standing There. That's where Tom sounded like Brandon Flowers and not himself. He did that complete different voice. Yeah. I think it's the second to last song. And I'm like, you know, just it shows what he's capable of. He can be versatile. Yeah. That's one thing that people always get give punk rock shit on is that you can't be versatile in punk. Uh, Tom Canby. Oh, and call, it, uh, call for Tradition, which was kind of that acoustic song at the end. I like that one too. That actually might have been my favorite track on the album. So I, I actually thought this was a good album. Um, well, you're right, I it's think... not punk. It's not really a gob album. It's not a lot of. It's kind of fun. There's some fun to be had there. Uh, I think if this was like, if Tom was like, hey, uh, I want to try a solo album, but I don't want to experiment with like new musicians or anything. Like, would you guys help me make this solo album on my own? And where he was kind of running the show, and you know what I mean, right? That I think I probably would have been a little softer on it, but because it's still under the the moniker of Gob, it's just it's so far removed from a Gob album. And I, was, I get that. I get that. I get that criticism. You know. When you've had all the changes in personnel, and it's just Tom and Theo, the tag team, but now Theo no longer even sings. It's like we were talking about with Treble Charger, how it's basically, yeah, they've had drummers and bassists, but it's it's, it's Bill Prittle and Greg Norrie's band. Yeah. 
if they had an album where Prittle didn't sing at all and we gave him shit, but if he didn't sing at all, would that really even be a, a Trouble Charger album? Yeah. You're hanging on to a moment in the past. You know what I mean? If, if uh, like, when, the, when Steve Page left the Bare Naked Ladies, were those Ed Robertson albums or those Bare Naked Ladies albums? I guess, well, Jim and Kevin started singing on those albums, so I guess it would have If Theo's not singing, and it is just Tom the entire time, and they're not sounding like Gob, is it even a Gob album? Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point. And maybe, maybe that's what they should have done, or just changed the band's name. You know, it could still be Theo and Tom. Just don't call it Gob. Yeah. You know. Still, though, I honestly thought that Vivos Muertos and um, Apartment Thirteen were, were good albums. Yeah, and it, they, you know, it, it's not perfect. Apartment Thirteen. There is some chaffa. There's some stuff I didn't like. But uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. We, you know, we, we butt heads sometimes. There was that April Wine album that we didn't see eye to eye on either. Well, it's not even butting uh, heads. We're not even arguing about it. It's no, just like no. I, you say your piece, I say my piece. We're like, all right, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But so that's the, the, the weird thing about God is through their whole discography, there was nothing there I didn't like. Yeah. But there was also nothing there that I would like put on our like mantelpiece of like the greatest albums that we've listened to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, we had Jack Soul last week. There was at least two albums, maybe three, that you could put on that mantle. Yeah. You know, April Wine had a bunch that you could. Uh, most of the bands that we covered, you know, Amanda Marshall had, you know, if it wasn't the full album, it was at least the songs on the album that stood out. Gob, I didn't really have that big standout, oh, this is brilliant, what a great, you know, I didn't have that. I kind of had the same reaction to all of the albums where this is all pretty good, but there's nothing here that's blowing me away. Yeah, uh, How Far Shallow Takes You will always be my favorite, and I think maybe it's just because, you know, they always say that the music you listened to when you were like 13, 14, 15 kind of stays with you. That's why... Uh, thank God I, I jumped off the new metal train pretty early, but uh, so that stuff doesn't stay with me. But time with the new metal, yeah, yeah. But you know what? New metal's making a comeback. It'll Limp Bizkit putting out a new album this this year. I don't know. I just remember last summer Fred Durst was making all these headlines when he played Lollapalooza because he had this like dad rock thing going yeah. on. It was so weird, but uh, yeah, it was weird. But no, like that album will always have a special place for me. Um, and same with the world according to God. Like those are good albums, but you're right. They they'll never they'll never stand out as like the best Canadian albums of all time or anything like that. And even like with the sea of punk and pop punk from the late mid to late '90s to the early 2000s, is you know because their albums were decent but not amazing. God couldn't even rise even anywhere in the like. So that's you know. Yeah, they would just get they, lost in the in the sea of warp tour bands, and people would be like, I, "They're good. They got some good chops, but they're not the best." Yeah, I think that's our clear answer then to the question: Why didn't they make it bigger outside of Canada? And you'll see this with a lot of happened with Trouble Charger. Like American Psycho got played in the U.S. and was yeah. in movies. And you look, you know, what to do was in a movie, and Give Up the Grudge was in a movie, and I hear you calling got airplay. You know, like their songs did get played down there. They didn't become hits though. Yeah. And they didn't become that, you know, bad religion, strung out, Pennywise kind of level punk rock band 
um, that are like one of the elite. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, know, I know with punk rock, it can be so shallow. It comes. It's, it's oh. all about the record label of punk yeah. rock. You know what I mean? When we were kids, if it wasn't on Epitaph or Fat. People didn't give a shit. Yeah, you know, we we get the we extend a hand to the Canadian bands because they wouldn't always get the uh, the inclusion in on those labels. Yeah, but um, you know, it, it can be snooty. Yeah, that's the other problem too. Is punk is so snooty and elitist, and it's uh, yeah. But there's so many different streams of punk that you can do. Like you know, there's the thrash punks, like the skate punk, uh, hardcore, and so that's why like it's fine that God wants to try these different streams you know falling into the more pop punk category um now it would be interesting to see after well almost 11 12 years of not putting out an album well last that was 2014 so that's oh, only, 2014 uh, I, sorry i thought that was like seven years i thought that was 2009 um no, I said it sounded like a 2009. Oh, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, seven or eight years, and that's if they put out an album like next year or something. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what chemistry they have after such a long break. If they if they choose to pick up Gob again, if the chemistry will be completely dead, or maybe, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And maybe, like, let's say for sake of argument, it's uh, 2023. They try to started bring up gob again that'll be almost 20 roughly 25 years to the uh, from how far shall it takes you maybe they'll go back see if they can enter that headspace again you never know i would be surprised if they do one of those uh, anniversary tours yeah where they play the whole album start to finish uh you'd be in and out of that show really really quick <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what i'd like to see from gob i'd like to see them reunite um, I don't know what Theo's voice is like. Maybe that's why he's not singing so much anymore. Maybe. But I would like to see them release an album that channels the vibe on how far sh- Shallow takes you, but has like the songwriting skills and production skills uh, that they learned over time. So you yeah. get the quality of a uh, Muertos Vivo, but you get the gob feel to yeah. it. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. And less Chuffa. Yeah. Let's cut out some of the chuffa. <laughs> uh, I think we've got the pin in this episode, man. Yeah. I think we've covered everything. Is there any other gob story, gob experience, anything gob related that you want to throw in before we wrap it up for this week? No. Uh, I mean, gob's always been one of those bands. It's like... Uh, it's like the Sidler on Seinfeld. He's always they're always there, uh-huh. but they just uh, they never stood out. For I mean, it depends. You know, there's there's fans of Gob that are probably like hardcore fans that are like they're the tippy top. But for other people, it's just they were okay. Like for us, we're like they're a good band. I'll never shit on them. Yeah. That's the other thing too. They seem like very likable guys. They do, and their personalities are kind of part of what helped get them over. When yeah. you see a video like What to Do, these are likable guys you want to spend some time with. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, so that's why, like, I know I, I first I, maybe I was a little too harsh on that last album, but like, because so, I hate shitting on bands I actually do like. Because mm-hmm. Gob's always been there when I was little, or not little, I was never little, as my parents always say. <laughs> uh, when I was younger. You know, it, so. Yeah. It's also the curse of this show, you know. We we when we do do a different band every week, we are going to come across the the standard is going to be higher mm. for 
just the music that we're listening to in general, um, especially when we're looking at it with a critical eye, even though we're pretty easygoing with our critiques. <laughs> um, you know, we're listening to better music. And then, you know, after a week where we had Jack Soul and he had so many great albums and then, you know, it's something totally different with Gob. Uh, it could be tough to critique it. And, you know, we might be spoiling some of the music that we love so much by doing this podcast. <laughs> well, I want to, before we, before we end, I want to ask you, do you think, like, let's say we were Yankees and Gob was from yeah. Seattle or, you know, Northern California. Do you think they would have yeah. been bigger or would have just fallen through the cracks because of how many punk bands there were. Because you got to remember, in Canada, mm-hmm. I can I can probably count like on two finger two hands like the amount of punk bands that actually stand out. Like there there's a, there was Teenage Head in the '80s from yeah. Hamilton. Uh, there's some Forty One Gob. Um, the you could throw a simple plan in there if you want, even yeah. though they suck. But here's the thing, you mentioned Teenage Head. Yeah. Right? And you know, BC had that huge punk rock scene. Yeah. Um I don't it'd be tough to say because Gob would not sound like what Gob sounded like. Um their sound is very, very even though they do a lot of skateboarding and snowboarding and shit like that, it doesn't sound like those California punk bands. It sounds a lot more like what was coming out of BC at the time. There, right. there's, it's, it's very hard to pin down that Canadian punk rock sound. Yeah. But it's very different than the West Coast sound. It's not a hardcore sound like New York hardcore bands. It's there's something unique to it where it's just it's just a it's it's poppy, yeah. Yeah, but it's just <laughs> a little more street. Right. You know, it's it's kind of a happy medium. I would say it's like 70 30 mm. like 70 percent west coast but maybe 30 percent east coast that kind of thing canadian punk rock sound so uh, it would be tough to say if they were from there but if they if they were so if shane if they were american but they just sounded straight up like gob sounds um i think they would have been bigger come uh world according to gob yeah yeah yeah, I think that's where they. I think that would have sold pretty well. Yeah, because I think um, K Rock would have got a hand yeah. on it, and all these other like bigger stations probably would have gotten it play. And so, I think yeah. it probably would have been in way more movies than it already was. So, or yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the I thing. I think that's where they would have hit because, like you said, it it that they wouldn't have gotten the exposure, nearly the exposure, to an American audience as they would have up, as they did up here. An American audience isn't going to play the video for Beauville. They're not going to play the video for um, You're Too Cool. Yeah. You know, they, they, that's not commercial sound. Those videos are rough. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't look great. Well, I, funny. I, re- I rewatched the Beauville video. That video is actually pretty poor production, too. So. Yeah, exactly. So, like, 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 what to do might have gotten some airplay. But, like, you, you get that advantage by being a Canadian artist because we've got to play some of our own guys. Yeah. And that's where a band like Gob can break through, where they wouldn't break through in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, speaking of Vancouver, I think like what we were talking about with those last two albums, I think if, uh-huh. if either Tom did it as his own or like they did what Rock and Hyde did, where they literally they stopped using the payolas and they went like Paul Hyde and the payolas or Rock and Hyde, yeah. if they had done something like that, like Theo and Tom plus 
members of Gob <laughs> or something like goofy well, like that. If you either call it CM Tom, hey, how's this one? TNT? TNT Music Factory? <laughs> TNT? Well, just TNT, they're dynamite, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think that would have changed people's expectations. They're like, oh, the guys from Gob are doing something a little bit different. And then people yeah. have been like, ooh, this is, this is good stuff because it's not what I expect, you know? Exactly. And that happens all the time. Like, didn't, um, when, uh, Corgan did Zwan, wasn't Jimmy Chamberlain in there as well? Yeah. Like, uh, well, yeah. I, I know, yeah, he, he was in Zwan, and I think he was part of, um, what's the other thing Billy Corgan did? Wasn't there another side project? I only remember Zwan. Okay. Well, or, sorry, maybe I was thinking of Oceana when he basically almost went. Or not Oceana, after that, where he almost went with with a whole new band, but then Jimmy Chamberlain came back. Yeah. I don't know. Brent, Brent will t- message me with all the pumpkins yeah. information that we were lacking. But what I'm saying is, you can have a side project with the same members that sounds different with a different name. That is possible and it has happened before. Yeah. That's the point I was getting to. Yeah. All right. Well, next week on Canada FM... We are going to go, we're going to remain in the realm of Canadian alternative rock, but we're going to go with a band that, one of the few bands I have heard in alternative rock that has a very, very heavy Middle Eastern influence in their music. That band is the Tea Party. We'll be doing a deep dive into the Tea Party next week on Canada FM. That should be a fun episode. Yes, and it's not going to be a big political discussion. Not that tea party. No, different tea party. <laughs> different tea party. In fact, there is a good story about the time the Tea Party of Canada met the Tea Party of the U.S. And let's just say the Tea Party of Canada won and continues to win to this day. Uh, but I will reveal that story coming up next week. Uh, oh, yeah. Spotify. Check us out there. Give us a five-star review on Apple Music because we are five-star men. Uh, I've been tweeting. I tweeted a picture of Jack Soul you sent me on Twitter. Oh, good. I'm doing my job here, buddy. I'll get the Twitter <laughs> happening. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think that that's all the stuff we got to say. Yeah. Anything else you want to end this on? Um, if you listen to all five of you who we do know who listen, um, please share it with friends. The sharing is caring. Sharing makes the world go round and right. might get us some more listeners. So do that and i will also end today's podcast with a line that brent fed me he sent me a picture of a plastic bag that he found at a grocery store sound there and those he like you know you, you get cheese you get the special bags you keep cheese in okay i didn't know you did that but I, yeah I put, like, these, these, these bags. cheese bags no, but these are like different fabric are you talking about so, cheese cloth like you use for like a turkey that might be it Anyhow, they were called Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. So, stay fresh, (laughs) you cheese bags. One, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Yeah.